0: You're listening to the world's smartest podcast
1: network. When I go to Sacramento, I will pump up Sacramento. Sacramento. Sacramento.
0: Some say the news is fake, others say it's real. These two don't have the time to check. Instead, Turner Sparks and Michael Ira Kaplan turn to comics stationed around the globe to be their eyewitness reporters so that you can know what's really going on. This is Lost in
1: America. All
0: right, everybody, welcome to Lost in America Roundtable episode. My name's Turner Sparks.
2: I am Michael Kaplan.
0: You can find me at turnersparks.com. July 30th, I will be in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, your city, Kaplan,
2: the home of Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid, hopefully still there of Tobias Harris, James Harden on a max contract by then that (laughs) who's
0: the bigger, who's more important to your city, Rocky or Tobias Harris? It's
2: close. close They call
0: it Tobias The city. Maxie. Isn't he one of your guys? McConnell. Maxie's the man. Yeah. Mitch McConnell's kid with the Nazi. McConnell hasn't
2: been on the team in years, but he hasn't been there. No. (laughs) Five years. Charles Barkley.
0: Moses Malone. Hersey Hawkins. The Philadelphia. You should open with that.
2: Open with some Hersey Hawkins material.
0: I'll just start (laughs) naming historic Sixers. Clarence Weatherspoon. Clarence. Spoon, as I called him back in the day. (laughs) Baby Barkley, as we called him. (laughs) No one knows what we're talking about. This is lost in America. I kind of thought we were doing a bunker episode with our. We forgot. Tight knit audience. But this is the wide audience. How's it going, everybody? Today we have on everyone on the World's Smartest Podcast Network. Andrea, Dr. Andrea Jones, Roy Ph.D. Do you say the doctor and the Ph.D. or is it one or the other? I think that's like the Ph.D. is the doctor.
2: Like, Yeah, but it's. PhD. I think it's
0: spoken. You say doctor, and then if written, right. you say Andrea Jones Roy, comma PhD.
2: <laughs> I guess I, I don't know. I, I, Professor I, we have asked Andrew <laughs> So
0: Andrea Jones Royce from the um uh the Majoring and Everything podcast. Everybody knows that. We're still waiting on our invite. I'm still waiting. Long wait. Andrew Heaton is from the Political Orphanage podcast. We've been on
2: that many times. Have you, Kaplan? You've been over there. I've been on that podcast, and uh, he just had a great episode. I'm recommending. It's called "Other Nations Are Insufficiently Horny," and it's about it's a it's a fascinating discussion about demographics. I highly recommend it. Not enough people are having <laughs> you know, kids. Is that the point? Not enough people are having kids in certain countries. Like, I'll, spoiler, Japan. I'll say China and Japan are screwed, but America's in good shape. So, so we are conversation. We're in good shape because we're having babies and we got immigrants. So it's shocking right.
0: to me that we're having babies because we
2: live in New York City and no one has. You're the only people I know who have kids. I have two kids. So I think that that's patriotic of me is what I've learned. It's like I've done an, I've done the minimum, I think, two kids. You well, we've said, do I've
0: said this many times, but having kids is bad. It's the worst possible thing you can do for the environment is have children, which is why <laughs> humans are the biggest polluters on Earth. I mean, look it up. Read a book. Yeah, figure it out you know so then if you have kids you're the biggest polluter on earth times two because you have two kids so i've always said because i have no children i should not have to recycle
2: yeah but what i learned is you need kids to then like make the economy work so we need to have kids to solve the environmental problems because old people are, are aren't going to do it. i mean so that's- come on
0: that's assuming <laughs> your brain and i mean, your wife's randy kaplan is a very smart person but I are you th- is it that your kids are going to be the ones solving the environmental crisis?
2: I mean, they're the children of the world's smartest pot, one of the world's boss podcasters in America. In the that's world, a good actually, point. So yes, that's <laughs> a good point.
0: But I don't know if it, let's. I, we should get them on the air and just ask. Teddy might say yes, that he wants to. If you ask Ruby Kaplan, do you would you rather solve the world's uh, environmental crisis or be a YouTube <laughs> celebrity? What would her answer be?
2: I mean, that is a no brainer. She would say. Environmental creation should say boring. Bo- <laughs> Before you even got the rest of the sit the word out. Would you like to
0: save the environment boring?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So but she is uh, uh gifted. Happen, she's been invited to the she's been invited to the New York City gifted program. So that's the future, right there. Whoa, she's in the gifted and talented
0: program, Ruby Kaplan.
2: We <laughs> might say we might not say yes to it, but she has been invited to join. So yeah.
0: I remember from a previous episode and and you guys, if you want to hear this banter for 30 minutes, a a few times a week, a few episodes a week, Patriot.com slash lost in America live from the bunkers. The name of the show, $5. We have thousands of people who listen to this lost in America show. If you each give us $5 a month, that's it. The price of a cup of coffee in New York city is five bucks. Kaplan. I'm not, if you give us five bucks a month, Drink one less cup of coffee a month. Or how about this? You have money, just give us $5 a month. You don't have to cut your budget anywhere else. Just give us five bucks.
2: If all of you gave us, we would have, I don't know, we'd be making 10 grand a month. I mean, I mean, you, you as I announced this on the Patreon show, but I should announce it here, because of the cheapskates in our audience who have not become Patreon members, because of their like, unwillingness to pay money for a good product, I have been forced to get a, a second job. I am now a licensed real estate broker in the state, in the city of New York here because of them. But I would love to uh, I'd love to Apple, retire from that already. To, um, because-
0: be the voice of the audience here. But I think I ask for I speak for everyone when I say what was your first job?
2: Oh, well, I was saying the podcast is the first job.
0: Oh, that's a job. <laughs> that's
2: We're <it>. doing <laughs> we're doing a, we're ah, doing a program here, aren't we? Couple hours a day, de- uh, a couple hours,
0: a couple times a week. Yeah, sure. But that's a four. That's a four- you spend right. forty hours a week working on that. Now you're working eighty hours a week. You have two full time jobs. Look at that. Yeah, you're like a single to them, mother but... uh, hours you're working over here. <laughs> Just to put maybe. your kids through school so they can be but, YouTube celebrities. But if
2: they need any real estate in New York City, and you're a listener, come to me, Captain America. He's a real estate
0: agent, everybody. Cap, we're getting way off the rails
3: here.
2: Yeah.
0: Let's just get back to the lost in America business. So we have episodes coming up. People have been asking. Yes. People are like, are you going to check back in with Ukraine? Yes, we will. We have the uh, Ukraine check in straight from Kiev coming soon. People are asking, what about this Colombian election? Will you be covering that? Yes, we will be covering (laughs) that. There's a new president down in Colombia. It's a former guerrilla. And the vice president. Is a POC female, I believe. So, congratulations to them. Um, From the gorilla. I think it's a far left wing um, militia dictatorship guerrilla organization, but good for them. They got a female (laughs) gun,
2: but a progressive one.
0: We're happy. No (laughs) cis (laughs) white men there. But I don't even know the details. So, we're going to have to find that out. But today, it's the world's smartest podcast network. Um, Smartest brains out there. Uh, We're covering, it's a lot of topics. I don't know what they are. Just listen. That is it, Kaplan. Should we get to the show? Play the music. There's no music. I I should have said <laughs> play the show. <laughs> play the swoosh sound. Play shwoosh. The swoosh, the swoosh. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the World's Smartest Podcast Network. I am Turner Sparks. I'm here with Sir Michael Ira Kaplan. We are the Lost in America podcast. Dr. Andrea Jones Royce here. How you doing, Andrea?
4: Hi. Great to be here. Happy World's Smartest Day
0: majoring in everything podcast <laughs> Thank you, <laughs> and professor andrew heaton from the political orphanage uh professor how you doing out there in the wilderness
1: <laughs> hello very good to be talking to you all hi i'm doing great <laughs> now the three of us are in new york city
0: heaton is in the bigfoot it seems like a jungle in colorado
1: yeah i i am nearest to del norte colorado that is Uh-oh. the the place that I am nearest to. Um, so, kind of the ab- above the uh, the New Mexico border, um, in the the southern mountains of Colorado, in the Rio Grande National Forest.
4: I'm Perfect. picturing you eating uh, out of a tin of beans while holding uh, holding it with gloves with no fingers uh,
1: right now. <laughs> no, I uh, I have very good nutrition while I camp. I I bought an AC fridge that I can run off my solar panel, and uh, I have a salad every morning for breakfast. Um, weird breakfast. I brought some. I brought some uh, uh, Alfredo yeah. sauce that I have with um, uh, sweet, sweet peas, not because I'm a hobo, because I want to eat more <laughs> vegetables. And then I, I have some corned beef hash and some other things too. swipe so very well. Sweet Hobos peas, like and, Alfredo. <laughs> uh, yeah, peas okay. and Alfredo dish. Moving on. Peas Alfredo sauce. That's a, I, yeah. I call it pea <laughs> Alfredo. That's a new dish. Let's get
0: to what we're here right. to talk about, folks. Yes, Heaton might die in the next twenty-four hours. <laughs> like,
2: <laughs> Bigfoot's gonna eat but him up. But never
0: mind that. That'll just make this a more interesting episode. We'll right. increase the subscriber, the downloads if we do that. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, so we have a million, million, uh, f- million topics to talk about. When I say a million, I mean four. We're gonna go through four. Top- I want to start here. Um, I want to know. So I don't know if you guys have heard of this live golf tournament. I don't even know how to pronounce it. L I V, live, live. I
4: figured golf that was tournament. short for Louis Vuitton, but what do I know? Okay. It
0: is. It probably was up until like earlier this year or late last year in 2021. Uh, so PGA is the major company that uh, professional golf association that essentially has a monopoly on golf in the United States of America. Companies have come up every once in a while, tried to challenge it. It never works. PGA is like the NBA for basketball, yeah. the NFL for football. It's gigantic. It's the whole thing. Um, And then very recently as of last year a company called live has come out of nowhere it's uh run by a guy greg norman is kind of the head of it he's this legendary golfer australian of like uh yeah like uh, i don't know uh uh, shaquille o'neal if you're thinking basketball (laughs) or something like that okay people know greg norman he's the face of it um and uh it didn't take very long for the world to realize that this is I think 100% funded by Saudi, the Saudi government, nice. MBS, the guy we all know and love, the, the guy who's killing uh, uh, journalists over there, the Washington Post, Washington Washington Post, all that kind of stuff. Uh, $850 billion is the budget of this live company. They've now started poaching major golfers. Uh, if, if you want to even use the term poaching, uh, you could also say just hiring, giving them a better <laughs> offer. It's Phil Mickelson, uh, Dustin Johnson, Sergio Garcia, who's uh, uh, I believe from Spain. And uh, many of the top golfers are now playing in this live tournament. This is the PGA has now banned these people for, I think, for life, right? You get yeah, a that's the thing. You can't
2: golf ever again in the PGA.
0: If yeah. you defect and go go play for the Saudis. Now this has become a big issue of people are saying, Phil Mickelson, Sergio Garcia, Greg Norman—these greats—they're now traitors to their country. Even though Sergio Garcia is not from America, he's from Spain.
4: Either way, traitor to America. They're traitors
0: Trader to Spain. America. Yes, <laughs> they're bringing shame to themselves, their family. They've sold out all for the almighty dollar. The interesting part to me is one of these. So they have—they're now going to have five tournaments in the USA. This live thing is going to be worldwide. It's a worldwide golf tournament. One of them is in the United States. One of those in the United States will happen at one of Trump's courses. Of course. <laughs> in New Jersey. Yeah, now, I don't know how to be to be transparent. I don't know how how much he even has sway over the courses. A lot of them. He just franchised out his name. Yeah. So I don't know if this has to do with him or not. But it brings up the point that our government certainly does uh, deal with Saudi Arabia and MBS. And my question to all of you is, should we be holding our athletes to higher standards than we hold our government?
1: Hmm. <laughs> uh, sure. Yeah, I, I think in general we should. But can I can I ask a couple of follow up questions on this? You yeah. can't be in the PGA if you if you do uh, LIV. Uh, is that because they are funded by Saudi Arabia, or is it because the PGA is punishing you for working with a competitor?
2: It's the yeah. latter, I think.
1: Right?
0: Well, it's clearly the latter. Yeah, it's clearly that they don't. They want they want their monopoly to continue to exist. Right. But they're using the Saudi thing as the story you know, it's 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 a convenient moral high ground they're taking. Right. right. It'd Just be harder like if it was England
2: or something.
4: Iraq for democracy reasons.
0: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Just to you, like that. To, well, to, to, to give a good example, Hooters, actually, there was a Hooters tour like 10 years ago and they never really seemed to have a problem with Hooters. So. <laughs> I do That's just wholesome, all American fun. a
1: tour of Saudi Arabia? Really... No, no, no. Were, he let Hooters me explain. Was... There was a Hooters <laughs> golf. <laughs> no, be, tournament. That sounds great. If Hooters could do a, a, a tour of Saudi Arabia, that would be fantastic.
4: <laughs> that's complicated.
1: Yeah, that'd
2: be a little. There different. was a
0: Hooters golf tournament, and uh, but it was also kind of a, a roundly seen as like the minor leagues. Everyone kind of accepted it was if you mm. didn't get in the PGA, you played on the Hooters tour. Uh, so. Yeah, that's kind of where we're at with this. Uh, but people are so they just had a major uh, PGA turn or not PGA. They had a major, uh, the U.S. Open, I think just played, which anyone's allowed to play in because it's not a PGA san- sanctioned event. So Phil Mickelson, he did play in that. It was in uh, Boston this just this past weekend. A certain a, a percentage, a, a small percentage of people were booing him and heckling him and calling him a traitor. Most people didn't seem to care. Angie, did he you-
4: respond in Arabic?
0: absolutely no (laughs) his response is just kind of like that he doesn't care he's kind of just become this villain like been like you know what screw you i can do whatever i want it's my life it's my money yeah
2: but i I don't know is anybody here a golf fan at all because isn't phil mickelson kind of washed up Like he's past his prime right he's old i don't follow golf so one sport i don't follow i am yeah i follow
0: golf uh not a lot but i guess more than you uh, he is no. He can still win. Oh, because I, mean, cause I yeah, thought maybe he, it
2: was just like he's going to get paid a ton of money now to, to go know, play which, in China
0: or whatever to play. And,
2: yeah. So why? not? Well, of course, he'll do it. He's not like going to win anything.
0: Well, he, he, I would compare it to kind of like how Beckham was. So Beckham came. Beckham yeah, came dude, to America. Beckham. He could still play for sure right, in just, in the other league. He kind of just decided. So golf, you can be pretty old and still so be. So it's good like at if golf. Tom
4: Brady was going to go play for like a Saudi league. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a good a way. way to put it. I would I would give him money to do that. That sounds awesome. That would, I need yeah. to see that happen.
0: I mean, so my personal opinion is yes, these guys are scumbags for doing this. Mm. Um, but also, you know, the NBA took a different route when they got into <laughs> dealing with uh, maybe more nefarious countries. And they just partnered with China mm. on this whole thing. Right. Yeah. So in the, they went to China in the 80s and said, hey, let's let's be business partners. And that they was CCTV is like the BBC of China. They have a contract every year with the NBA. How many games they are going to show all that kind of stuff? So which CCTV is run by the Chinese government. So they're literally partners with the Chinese government. That's more of a uh, I guess like a, a that's not as clear cut as a case, I guess, because the Chinese government in 1985 versus now are two totally different things.
2: And also FIFA, the soccer organization, partners with Cutter, with uh, you know, uh, well, all
0: it's, of it's things. also the same. So much company, corruption, yeah, Russia. The same company that owns this live golf tournament, uh, this Saudi backed company called I forget what the initials are, but they also just bought 80% of uh I wrote it down, it might be Chelsea or one of the major oh, one wow. of the major soccer. Um,
4: Here's here's Newcastle, one.
0: Sorry. Newcastle United.
4: One more question. So the money for live comes from MBS and his whole thing. Who pays for PGA? Where does that money come from? Is that just like we pay to go see stuff like the end? Like, I don't know. I Who's think funding it's a, the private a private organization like the
0: NBA is. I, I yeah, I don't it. know
2: because it's not like they have salaries. It's all prize money. It's different than basketball. Yeah. Like, it, so it's
4: the,
0: I think the PGA is a private organization. I mean, it's definitely and, not taxpayer funded. And it is right, the right,
2: okay. <laughs> the monopoly thing is the point because I don't know if it, the tennis had this exact same happen in the seventies when there was going to be this like team tennis organization come up because they thought, Oh, people may actually like tennis if they play in teams instead of one-on-one mm. and the USCA, the tennis organization, the PGA, their version of the PGA did the exact same thing. They said, if you play in this league, you're banned. But mm. so like Jimmy Connors and some others were banned for like two years. And so okay. that's that they pretending they're pretending to try to get like Greg Norman and gotchas like you see Greg Norman they asked him and he said, well, all about about the uh, journalist that was killed.
0: Oh, any time one of these people do, does an interview, like yeah. they, they do like a press conference. It's brutal to watch because every single question is like, do you think that Khashoggi should have been killed?
2: Did you hear what Greg Norman <laughs> did? I, did everyone hear what Greg Norman said I, I, I to that, by that the way? A, the no, question. Cap, what did he say? No, no. He, he goes, we've all made mistakes. Yeah, because so, I'm out here to defend the Saudi government. We've all made mistakes, which is nice. like, the other part of this. Is Forgiveness
3: people, is where
4: growth comes from.
2: They're all dumb athletes, right. so they don't have good answers.
4: And I they mean, they really don't have are. good answers to like, how did the game go for you typically? Right. Yes. Like, <laughs> I've seen enough of those. All right, go, I, sorry, it, it, I have it, 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 a view on this, but Heaton, I think you've been trying to speak and you're you're yeah. the wind is blowing. So your Internet's out.
1: Uh, yes, exactly. Uh, uh, I, well, first, I was going to say, I, I love the idea of the first question being, do you think Khashoggi should have been killed? As, <laughs> <Yeah>. if, the, <laughs> as if the relevant question is, did he deserve to die? And there are multiple <laughs> people on both sides of that equation. I think that's a great question to go with. Here, okay, this is this is what I'm thinking. is a, I, I'm completely shooting from the hip on this because I, I I don't really know a lot about sports ethics, but it would seem to me that if you're going to try to uh, not participate with any country that's doing something really heinous. There's not gonna be a lot of countries with money that you can work with in the future. That's just, there, there's. I, uh, I I think I, I think that individual players we should work with. So like if Russia wants to send over its team to us, I don't have a problem with Russia's team. I have a problem with their military. I have a problem with their government, but I don't have a problem with their individual team. When it, when it comes to like organizations themselves, what I'm inclined to say is, is the is the direct thing we're dealing with evil, uh, or is it just it's the the company that's or the, the country that's evil? And what I mean by that is, um, Kaplan, you brought up uh, FIFA uh, uh, that that happened a couple of years ago where they literally built a stadium in Qatar or I, I or maybe it was the, the Emirates I can't remember, but it was like Go slave ahead. labor. Oh yeah, it, it, the it, World it, Cup it's,
2: coming up next year. Yeah, right.
1: Yeah, so so we shouldn't participate in that. We shouldn't be we we shouldn't be participating in a place where the actual stadium has been built by slave labor. But if it's a thing where um, the, the, the money that's funding the advertising campaign is coming from the oil reserves of, of, of a country that's doing questionable things that that I feel like is a little bit more indirect. And, uh, my preference would be that we just sort of apply whatever we come up with equally to whatever participating countries there are.
4: All right. That seems reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> that's my take. My take is, uh... I'm fine with it. I am I am going to be the most right-wing I've ever been in my entire life, which is free market, <laughs> baby. Get out there and earn that money while you're playing golf. And if MBS wants to throw all that Saudi money towards golf, honestly, that's a better use of his money than a million other things that he could be doing and probably is doing. So at least we're siphoning some off towards something where we're not going to kill each other. And maybe integrating them more into the broader world of sports will do something vaguely helpful. I doubt it because I'm thinking about Russia right now, but But it could do something. And I think, you know, governments and governments doing sanctions and all of that. I there is some evidence empirically to suggest that it works. And I leave it to the governments. I think private people should be able to do whatever the whatever they want.
2: And also, let's say the PGA (laughs) is a classic golf run by white mentor. Yeah. Nice to see a country of color get involved. (laughs)
0: Oh, there you go, Kaplan. Woke Kaplan. Kaplan's on the and
2: left. I'm on the right. That's why the PJ is so angry about it. They're threatening. You're they're not white a favorite magic- of Khashoggi getting killed. You are a racist.
1: That's how that works. Everybody knows that woke,
0: woke pro women Saudi government. Yeah. <laughs>
1: There's,
2: There's no lady. They're, they're say, not challenging not, the ladies' store, huh? That was amazing. I, I'll
0: just clarify my point, and then we'll right. move on. Is I am personally, I think it's detestable that these guys are doing this, but. I don't want to stop their right for them to do it, you know? Mm. I think, sure, go ahead and go do it. Make your money if you want to. Personally, I think it it really is a di- direct line to the Saudi government. This is a government, 100% govern- government-owned company. I think the term they're using is sports washing. They're trying to sports. They're trying to um, b- like basically make the world forget that they kill journalists by being like, well, but they're really, it's so nice. They're providing us with a golf league. Um, well, don't so forget the indoor skiing. What's yeah. You know, what's, okay. what's what's ironic about but this. But they are an ally of ours. Technically, no so. one was really talking about Khashoggi anymore. It kind of died <laughs> off. But then the second this sports, this golf tournament came about now, it's all it's back in the news and they're asking all these golfers. So uh,
1: wait, hold on one quick thing. If, if what they're trying to do is sports wash, this is what they should do with that hundred million dollars is just start instead of killing journalists bear with me here, instead of killing journalists, kill people that own those telemarketing firms in the United States. And when they get to the point where they're killing 10 of those folks for every one journalist, i will be like, all right. Well, I, I guess I'm okay with you guys. He but is the Unabomber. What's happening? telemarketing.
2: <laughs> telemarketers? You want to kill them all? No,
1: Are no, you no, in like 1995? Did the, the, you time the pe- travel? <laughs> the people that, you know, when you like, you get these irritating phone calls, like like there was like a 10-year period where you wouldn't get these phone calls. Uh, and now it's all come back. You've downloaded apps to block them and stuff. Don't kill the people making the phone I don't calls. They're not think you low be
4: level, downloading but- apps. Yeah.
2: No, I get those calls too, and I get annoyed, but Heaton I never the wish death have on gotten the people. to you.
4: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you just block, press block on your phone, and it's mostly robots.
2: But
1: I uh, should okay. just to clarify, in, in Hayton, case, I don't want the Saudi government to kill anybody. It's not
3: 100
0: million, it's 850 billion. So, oh. yeah, they could take out a lot of uh, telemarketers. A lot of
1: telemarketers. So they can money. Solve the problem, is what you're saying. I, I guess now can, I'm yeah. just
4: upset they're not doing more civilian space travel because I would like to go to space. I care more about that than golf,
1: just as a, <laughs> if they're going to.
0: Oh yeah, that's a great point. Yeah,
1: they should do that. Heaton, you're next. What do you got, man? Okay, so um, as you know, I am camping and I have uh, been driving. Oh, you didn't mention it. And it is uh, the most expensive camping trip of my entire life (laughs) because the gas to get here is so exorbitantly expensive. Now, uh, there's lots of reasons for that. Most of which are not directly under the control of the American government. A big portion of it is that uh, Russia has gone to war with Ukraine, and that has kinked up the oil pipeline globally, oil being a a fungible resource. Um, So that's a big thing. However, I I note that there have been uh, people saying that the reason that oil is so expensive right now is because of corporate greed, that the reason that I am paying more at the gas pump on my camping trip is because of these greedy oil companies. The people that are saying this, by the way, include Uh, Bernie Sanders of the president of the United States, that the reason that oil prices are so high is because of corporate greed. And um, where where I'll give Biden some cover is I don't think the president really has a lot of direct, immediate control on this. Uh, He did... um, he did release. Uh, I think it's going to be a, a million barrels a day from the strategic petroleum reserve, but it takes about twenty days to even get that up and running. So uh, that and that seems to be about the most you could do, but it's still a drop in the barrel compared compared to what uh, Russia is not doing with with three hundred million barrels a day. Uh, but but the take in general, whenever you hear that the prices have gone up because of greed, all of my economic instincts go into high alert, and, and the the concern or the, the the problem I have with that is a couple. Um, one greed is operating at a hundred percent capacity at all times in, uh, in, in, the oil industry and in every other industry, it, they're making as much money as they can at any given time. It's not like, um, a, a bunch of them decided that they don't like their families anymore and they're going to have more, more money now. And then when prices go back down again, it's because the oil companies are spending time with their families. That's what's <laughs> not, not what's going on. Uh, whenever oil prices go down, no one ever says that the oil companies are less greedy. Um, Uh, The the reason that they're going up is that the price of crude oil is going up because there is less crude oil. And when you have uh, less supply and higher demand, prices go up. That's just how that works. So they're making more money as a result of that. But it's not like all the oil people got together and went, we should just really increase the amount of money we take at the, the pumps. Um, and I looked into this too, like Apple's making a lot more money than Exxon is right now. Exxon made $5.5 billion in the last quarter. Apple made $25 billion in the last quarter. But I don't know that anybody thinks Apple's being particularly greedy at the moment. Uh, so I'm not saying there couldn't be things that are done. But I am saying that whenever you start talking about greed as being the principal cost element in the price of something, it tells me that you're either trying to scapegoat or you don't know how economics works. And I don't like either of those things coming from the president.
0: Um, I spent my childhood being told that the president is the most powerful man in the world. And then I feel like I spent my adulthood being told that the president can't control anything. <laughs> <laughs> Good bit. It's there. That's all you ever hear now. Well, it's not up to him. It's up to the states. It's the state's rights. Oh, with COVID, even Trump was in office. Well, they can't she says he's going to he doesn't want us to wear a mask, but this is the state of New York. We do what we want. We're wearing. we're testing. We're wearing masks. And then it's flipped for him. Well, how much power does the president have? I don't understand. Why do we elect someone if every time it comes to it, they go? I don't know. I can't do anything. You got to ask the governors. But well, technically, Exxon.
4: technically executive power in the United States depending on how you measure it has been expanding since we've yeah, been the opposite, alive. Yeah, opposite actually. And yeah. so the president ironically Turner I agree with you that we we I heard the same kind of narrative and it's flipped but technically they actually are more powerful than they used to be. I think that we're just more divided and so like to blame or not blame. Like I'm happy to blame Trump for literally everything that happened during those 4 years. And I know that that's wrong. Yeah. And then when it happens to Biden, I'm totally partisan, and I think, well, he can't control anything. Right. So it's, like it's whatever party's yeah. not in power <laughs> gets to blame the other party. That's all that's happening.
2: Yeah. So and and and, and I was going to say on he and what you're saying about the, the way economics works, like. The left and the Democratic Party has what does it we they want to get rid of fossil fuels right that's the goal yeah. long term goal no fossil fuels
4: yeah to so kill what, America's economy right
2: so Biden came out and he went <laughs> off <laughs> well no but Biden came out and he and he went off on the oil companies and he wants them to make more oil and the only way to make more oil is to build more refineries but why would they build like he's right. asking them to send billions of dollars of their money it's not to build an industry that he wants to get rid of in 10 years, you know, like exactly. <laughs> there's so no going to be no oil. So why would I build more plants to make let, more yeah. oil?
1: A hundred percent. Let's say that um, it takes, and I don't know the exact numbers on this. Let's say it takes 10 to 15 years to recoup your money on an oil refinery. First, we haven't built a major oil refinery since 1976. That's the yeah, last time we, we constructed born. one,
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. And, and uh, um, we mm-hmm. we are unlikely to do that in the future, in part because if we build it near a population center, people go, "You shouldn't build this oil refinery near a population center because it produces pollution; it's going to hurt right. people." Fair enough, but if we build it in, in the woods, we're the like, "Well, that's going to hurt wildlife." Yeah. So <laughs> and, and like and like and, and there's a point to all of this. Like, yes, uh, uh hydro uh, hydrocarbons are they they do pollute, they do increase carbon in the atmosphere, they do have all of these negative externalities. That's all true. So as a result, uh, cap. Uh, to your point, um, the administration has said, we want to get to uh, carbon emission zero vehicles by 2035. That is the goal. We want to get to the point where by 2035, all of the vehicles on the road are, are not producing carbon. That is to say that they are not using petroleum. If I am an oil company executive, why on earth would I put in investment for something that's going to take 20 years to pay off, knowing that I can't get any money 20 years from now on it? Um, it so So it's it, it, there, is, there is a logical problem. Here. Now, you, you can say, good, I hate oil. I, I It should all cost $50 a gallon. I don't drive a car. Fair enough. I'd I say that's not a very good electoral strategy. But if, if you're going to make that case, then it doesn't make any sense at all for the president to try to tell corporations that they're being greedy and they should produce more oil at a loss.
4: I have two things to say about this. So the first is, uh, yeah, it definitely doesn't make any sense, but it makes perfect Political sense for Biden to be like, oh, well, the problem, given that we can't control anything that's happening in the world, I can at least make it look like the companies are keeping us from having oil as opposed to blaming myself. He's just deflecting right. it. To right? yeah, my degree. Yeah. My second right. point is something I'm so glad you you mentioned this topic because I do not have a car. I live in New York and barely remember how to drive. But I drove to Maryland last week. And until I drove to Maryland, I did not care about the price of gas. I would see the news, <laughs> I would see the headlines and be like, oh. We're spoiled Americans. Everyone needs to calm down. The oil is subsidized. Blah blah blah. We're we're like it's cheap. It's more expensive everywhere else in the world. Then I drove for four hours, and now I'm. Uh, I hate Republican. Buying. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> as I was filling up the pump, I just put a Trump 2024 sticker on the rental car.
1: <laughs> and there there are a lot of cultural wedge issues to this, like um like like you just mentioned subsidies, Andrea. I we shouldn't be subsidizing oil. I'm very much for ending these the subsidies of oil, and I think you can make a very good argument that. Um oil is is sort of even if the government's not directly intervening, because we do not immediately factor in the negative externalities in terms of health and environmental effect, that we're not actually paying how much it costs in a way we would for other things. So you can make a good case that it it is below what actually should be paid. Uh, that's all fair. Um, and and for the record, like I'm in favor of a carbon tax, which would increase the the uh, the cost of of petroleum. Uh, that being said, though, I I do hear that cultural element a lot right now, uh, and I and I don't like it. Like Colbert the other day, um, had a monologue saying like, you know, we we've had a um, we we've had a uh, what do you call it boycott of of Russian oil, and it's worth it to pay two extra dollars at the gas pump uh, to know that the oil money that you're buying is not ill-gotten. Uh, by the, and then he says literally. I drive a Tesla. I don't care if it's fifteen dollars, yeah. and I'm like, it's man, like, you were out of wait, touch with was, everyone in America.
0: Like, should like, say just for the record, that was like nine months ago. Or no, that, what, no, no, that was a
2: few, it was early in the Russia war. Was it okay? But gas has actually gotten more expensive since then, but yeah, February right.
1: or March. Or something. And like, like, point and stance that that makes sense. Talking about like that way to somebody like me, I don't have to be out here camping, right? This is completely voluntary. I'm here, right. I'm here recreationally, right? But where, where I do feel a pinch is. If you are driving for a living in middle America that is directly affecting you and, and it's it's nice. not something frivolous it's just like do you get to eat or not and and that is the thing and then the, the final thing that I'll add is um, I would for anybody that that uh, lives in a major metropolitan and cosmopolitan area uh, like Andrea or somebody else I, I would remind you that um, even though you are not paying for Called gas out, man. directly, Globalist. you you are absolutely getting stuff from petroleum. Like, do you, your shoes are there any rubber in them? Well, those are hydrocarbons. Like, God, that, no! That I make my oil. shoes
4: out of renewable palm. <laughs>
1: yeah. Are we? Are, do you, Do you have an iPhone? Like, do you use anything plastic? No. Plastic comes from petroleum, right? So, no, it's metal so it's only. Little, Right. So I,
4: tires I, we, in your
2: electric car if you
4: I know. repurposed some coke cans. It's a phone.
2: <laughs> we can definitely do things cleaner. I'm just saying like
4: yeah, for anybody, I don't want to pick out Andrew. For anybody
1: Is your hair in Baltimore? Or, is say. your hair gas powered? Yeah. 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 You're you you're still you're still using stuff.
4: Yeah. I I, I will say, I I have
0: Turner, go. I have one solution here. Everyone says there is no easy solution. Everyone's like, it's a lot of factors. We got to figure it out. Ooh, ah, ah, ah. No easy. There is an easy solution kill Putin. Mm. Done. (laughs) That's not easy. The revolution's (laughs) over. They leave Ukraine. Everything goes back to normal. We, we take, we lift this whole, like Russia, you know, this idea that we don't buy oil from Russia anymore. We start buying from him again. Cause he's dead. All right. Um, it only also... takes power and then I don't know what happens. So you it's
4: corporate if... greed because they're not willing to send their henchmen out to eastern Ukraine to kill Russia. Kill not, I
0: never said yeah. corporate greed. I'm just no, saying I'm saying Biden is
4: saying corporate greed because oh. that's what he's referring to. I mean, what... we
0: took over Iraq. Why can't we kill Putin? I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> we did one thing for oil. Why when can't del- we do? I'm yeah. fine. This whole idea when people were like, we only went to Iraq for oil.
3: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we need oil i don't understand what's bad about this turn you know, road
4: trip sparks over here <laughs> why can't if, if we if now Biden, go
0: kill Biden putin could, for oil i want to put oil put four oil on the bombs write nope. it uh, right on there <laughs> on yeah.
2: the nukes to send yeah. it into it. i'm
0: happy not this is what happens when you don't go kill people for oil i
2: hope everyone's <laughs> proud of themselves <laughs> that's the drop uh but he also also to add to what he was saying about being out of touch I don't know if you saw early in this whole problem, the uh, the White House spokesman said people if they didn't like the gas prices should buy electric vehicles, which oh, are yeah. like, there you the go. average ones like fifty five thousand. I saw Tesla just raise their prices twenty five percent, like but don't buy them from Elon Musk because right. he's the enemy. He's at right. evil again, and like the prices yeah. of that's all going up because of the Russia war as well because lithium batteries. But but um, and then one other thing I was going to say is just to get back to our other story. You saw what Biden was doing this week is that now he's kissing the finger of Saudi Arabia, so he's going to beg them. To, after he was calling sure. them monsters and stuff the whole campaign he's now begging saudi arabia to give us more oil so the prices go down for all we know he's going to be at the opening round of the of the golf course on the trump yeah. he's going to be the him one like phil Mickelson will be out one, there he's going to be hitting the putty yeah it'll be the caddy for <laughs> phil whatever just to get just to get the price of gas down before the election so
4: i spent two weeks not to brag i spent two weeks at an oil conference in azerbaijan about 10 years ago <laughs> on a broad yeah that's the enemy of
2: our podcast how did why
4: how uh i was studying oil in grad school and i tricked (laughs) someone into paying me to go to this thing and my only thing i learned two things that i think the united states could use and biden personally could use one azerbaijan is desperate to be the next saudi arabia and so i think if you it would take nothing (laughs) to go over there and just like high five and we would have all the oil we want from them and i went swimming twice in uh, the whatever that big lake is, I already forgot the name where all the oil is. The whole thing Beautiful. smells like oil. I came oh. out slicked like one of those seagulls after the Exxon <laughs> spill, and so we could just take that water and filter it. No one's touching that shit stuff.
0: I like you just getting dumped on by the Exxon Valdez. <laughs> yeah,
4: and- <laughs> that was just me.
0: Uh, let's move on. So, yeah. uh, Cap, I mean, uh, yeah, Kaplan,
4: you're I, uh, what are you? Should, I, should I
2: go? Yeah, so. <laughs> So on that note, uh, you know, I'm a Jew, as we've discussed before. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah. Well, so, so, uh, okay. and, and Heaton's in the woods.
4: He's in the it. woods. <laughs> and we're at war with Russia.
2: Well, we're getting to that in a second. So us Jews, we always know everybody who's successful who's a Jew. We know them all. The most obscure ones, the better. So for years, I was always happy because I I'm randomly was a Chelsea soccer fan, the, football, the soccer team in England. And I said, oh, they got a Jewish owner, some Russian guy. Didn't know anything about him. Just this guy, Robin Abramovich or something like that. So then the war starts, the Russia-Ukraine war. And all of a sudden, I I first I read this article that says that uh, Yad Vashem, the Holocaust, the most famous Holocaust museum in Jerusalem, was asking the Russians or asking the the West not to put sanctions on Robin Abramovich, this Chelsea owner. I said, that's strange. Why are they asking that? Then I dug into it and I saw that he is the number one donator to the like he's given them like over a billion dollars over the course of many years. And then people started. This started to be a whole uproar about this and other charities he's done, and all these charities suspended ties with him. And you know they said like we're not going to take your money. People are returning your money. Um, so I got. I started thinking like I, this is like, what's the right thing to do in this situation? Is what I'm trying to get at because you know they, this happened with Jeffrey Epstein. This happened with Harvey Weinstein. This happened with Dr. Bill Cosby, where they give all this money over the years. You know they give. Millions of dollars to colleges, you know, Bill Cosby famously had a women's college named named a dormitory or something named after him. <laughs> something like Spelman College, I believe. Jeff. So and then what happens is they always give the money back and they scrub their names. And I think they shouldn't give the money back. I think like the money, if the if they the money, it's gone to a good use. It yeah. doesn't make the person a good person. It doesn't, you know, get rid of their sins. But giving it back just gives the person more money. And on the flip side of that. Is I wonder who the arbiter is or what the like where the line is and what charities should do to not to accept money from other from bad people. I guess because because I looked up a list and I saw a list of the 10 most toxic uh philanthropists, you know, and it's got Epstein, it's got Cosby, but then it's got like David Cook, one of the Koch brothers. Mm. And so then it becomes a, a sort of a thing where you're like, well, now it's political, you know, who's deciding these things? Like, why, yeah, if you go to the opera and you see the uh, you know, one of the Koch brothers' names, is it really? going to cause you harm or is it nice that he helps build Lincoln Center or whatever building that is. So I don't know. You, bra- I, I come to the brains for answers. Where do you guys stand on this? On this? Um. Well, I'm going to have to
0: leave in a second. So well, I let's think start I'll, with you. I'll go first here. <laughs> I, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, behind f- charities are 95% funded by criminals. <laughs>
2: <laughs> must be. Guilt, people who feel bad, right? If,
0: guilty. If that's that's They're the guilt- whole point of being of donating to a charity. It's because you've made billions and you've probably made it illegally and a way to wash yourself of your sins is to donate part of it. The Sackler family who created the yes, opioid crisis. That's another,
2: they're on my list, by the way,
0: half the buildings in America are named after them. I mean, as you said, you got Epstein. You didn't even mention the pedophile, Bill Gates, the Bill and Melinda Gates <laughs> foundation. <laughs> you didn't mention you the, said that. I mean, the Clinton foundation, the murder yeah. Clinton. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, Vince Foster. I mean, like I mean, the, and the Godfather,
2: so. you know, that they're, they're he's donating all the money to the Pope, point you know.
0: is behind. I mean, it's a saying behind every great charity is a great crime. They say that, don't they? <laughs> Do they? So, they so if should. you're not going to take money, if charities are not going to take money from criminals, then there's no money left. It's, it's going to be yeah. a lot of $5 GoFundMes <laughs> that you're yeah. going to need to build your wing of the new, you know, Chancellor's Hall at your university. Or you just wait for somebody to make nefarious money. And then you let them give, $100 million to you out of shame. Well, I'm just <laughs>
4: thinking about this. I'm like, there's a, there's a concept in political science of revealed preferences, which we can state what we think is right or wrong, but what we actually do is going to signal what we actually value. And I think if someone came mm. to us, one of those toxic billionaires came to us and said, we will fund the world's smartest podcast network. You'll never have to do anything other than do this for 10 years. Would you take our money? I would take it from anybody. Yeah,
2: it'd be yeah. called anybody. the world's famous uh, I would Epstein say we've all made the
4: MBS network. podcast network. We've <laughs> all
2: made mistakes, podcast network. <laughs>
4: yeah, 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 yeah. And we all, good people we've on both all,
2: We've all killed the- uh,
4: Can I can I? You're a Washington Post journalist yeah. at
0: certain times.
4: Can I disrupt the order? Because I think this is relevant. And Turner, I want to hear your take on my thing before sure. we go. Is that okay? All right, oh, and then yeah, we'll, yeah, yeah. we'll round it out. All right, so we'll mine is not from the news. It's from Wikipedia slash political science from 50 years ago. And it's a model of power- called the Exit Voice and Loyalty Model. And the reason it's relevant thematically today is that it's all about you know citizens dealing with a, a leader that they don't like, or consumers dealing with a company they don't like, or all of us athletes dealing with a PGA we don't like. It's that power dynamic, right? All right, so it ties into everything. The, the question is, and my question for you all as I go through this is, is math useful to help us understand the world? And the math is just as follows. If I'm the person who's in a country and I hate the leader, I have three choices. I can exit, move to Canada. I can use my voice, protest and whatever else Americans do. Or I can be loyal and shut up and say, I'm going to wait till the next leader. I'm going to just let Putin do his thing. And that's it, right? If I use voice, the leader can then choose to give me what I'm asking for, or I'm going to stop invading Ukraine, or they can say, I don't care about you. And they'll keep invading Ukraine. At that point, you, the person can choose to then leave or stay. And there's a whole bunch of math around all of this that helps you figure out under what circumstances, which party would do what. So for example, if I have some kind of bargaining power, if the country really cares that I remain a citizen, if the PGA really cares that I keep playing in their tournament, then it's much more likely that my use of voice is going to matter, right? And if I have a credible exit, so the PGA example, again, if I'm upset with the PGA and this live thing exists, I now have more bargaining power against the PGA because I say, if you don't give me what I want, I'm going to go over to this other thing. So it's all about figuring out when the two parties, the, the, the high up and kind of the masses, when they have power and how they navigated it. I think it's super interesting. When you do the math, it's very dry. But I want to know from based on our conversation today, based on what you all think, is that do you want to know more or are you like, I hate this, Let's never talk about math again.
1: I, I would love to know more, but I, I had a hard time following. Uh, perfect. Uh, because there's a lot coming at me. So can uh, can you clarify? Are you saying that insofar as we can measure effect, that the most effective thing is to stay in the mix and remain vocal, that mm. you are you are you're less impactful fleeing the country or knuckling under, you're more impactful remaining there and speaking up.
4: Okay. No, but Turner, what were you going to say?
1: Yeah,
0: I think. Uh, sorry, Heaton, I got to go in one minute. So, yeah. um, I think it's interesting. I think it relate like so that I, another factor that we haven't thought of is is um, another option. So, if you speak out, in a, an, an option is for the government to do nothing or to listen to you, or a third option is for them to imprison you or kill you. Hmm. So, right. which is very real in most countries right. in the world. Right. right? So, I think after living in China for 12 years uh, and it, you can see that a, a big deterrent from speaking out against your government is punishment directly yeah. to you one-on-one from your government. So it's not like we're going to do this to the masses. It's like, we're going to do this to you, right? You are right. now in trouble because you said something. So does this, are we assuming that this is in a country that doesn't exist?
4: I'm so glad you said that. So we're actually assuming it's it's an individual versus a government and or or an individual versus an employer or whatever. And yeah. uh, and the individual meaning that we are indistinguishable for the most part from all the other citizens. But it's each citizen's choice. And you're exactly right that we can add a cost C for using voice. So every time I use voice, I, I lose some cost C, which is either I'm imprisoned, which is if you're in China and you use voice, you're in prison or in the United States, you get trolled on Twitter. And so C is really small. So we can vary the size of the cost and it can vary by person as well. Yeah. I think it's
0: interesting. I think it could be used in business uh, very Mm -hmm. well. There's like a a perfect case that's going on right now with Spotify and paying comedians to bring Mm. us back to comedy. Yeah. And most importantly, Spotify doesn't pay basically doesn't pay comedians anything. You can listen to their jokes all you want. They pay nothing. And miss, there's a guy who makes hundreds of millions of dollars from his contract with Spotify named Joe Rogan. Oh, there's a lot lot of power at Spotify. And he's Mr. Like, I love comedy. I love comedians. I'll do anything to help comedians except this. He's <laughs> silent on this. Yep. He hasn't said a single word about this. And it hasn't no one's written this article yet. And I don't know why journalists listening out there. This is a good article. They attack they attack Rogan for like, oh, he's he said this like he said the N word a decade ago. He did this. We didn't like it's all political reasons, but not this is just like a very clear backbone thing. Where he could say, "Hey, pay comedians, or I'll leave Spotify." It would happen overnight. They would pay comedians. So, I'll just anyway.
4: add that I think any journalists who might have been listening in the first half of this episode are long since gone. Ever since Heaton was like, "I'm fine with killing journalists," so they may not be listening. No but telemarketers. I yeah, <laughs> oh, he said
0: telemarketers. He didn't say. Did we Jerry. have a
2: lot of telemarketer listeners. We right, I gotta up. go. You gotta Enjoy go. Later, Turner. Bye,
4: Bye, Turner. So Heaton. So to answer your question, the idea is not to like, like tell you what to do. It's to map out the dynamics. And then you say, Hey, I've got this particular situation. Here's what I think the cost of using voice is going to be. Here's what my exit option looks like. Here's how likely I think the leader is to listen to me. And then the leader will do the same sort of decision when they decide whether or not to listen to the person who's like using voice or leaving or whatever. And it's to be able to take those variables and then vary what they what their value is and be able to optimize for your particular situation, what you should do. If I'm deciding, if I'm Joe Rogan, I could map it out and do it for myself. I'm currently irritated with NYU for something. And I literally sit here and I'm like, well, I can quit my job. I can just shut up and deal with it. Or I can say, I want a meeting and I want to talk about this. And I'm trying to figure out what to do. And that model is helpful to me to figure an- it out. And
2: Analytics basically.
4: Exactly. For, yeah.
2: For he, in,
4: He's dead. I think he got shot. I think this is it. <laughs>
1: oh, we, sorry. I I I'm I muted for a second. Um, that uh, that sounds very useful. Actually, this seems All like right. a very helpful thought uh, uh, uh thought
2: construct.
4: Okay. All right then. <laughs> <That's a one. laughs> Kat, what do you got? <laughs> no, uh,
2: I don't know. My head's a little hurting from trying to follow. But, got it. <laughs> uh No, I think that's a great. That could be useful for like. What do you call that field? Though. <laughs> no, no I, I I hold on. I like
1: the idea of there being some really. Intense ethical situation, and I'm like, hold on, Wikipedia.com slash math analysis. Okay, wait, I got my side yeah. rod here. Oh, I, I gotta screw you, guy.
2: I mean, do we trust the math? They're actually running numbers, or they're just basically the mathematicians just doing what they think you should do, and then giving you it's, a fake number to. Well,
3: it it's like they're, neither. They're really, a, they're, they're producing
1: an algorithm. They're not producing right. a suggestion. They're saying this right. is how you would how you All would right. determine Pers- the utility of your actions. Right. Well,
4: well, it's more that you have a, it's like analytical. So it's like top down. So you have like a set of a framework and then you solve for various variables. And normally you don't even you could apply a number, but normally you'd be like if my benefit for leaving costs more than the cost of using voice times the probability that they're going to do something. And so you kind of work it out as a series of equations. The reason I bring this up is not to be an evangelist of this is to say that I learned this stuff in grad school and it took me for three years. I was like, this is pointless. Humans don't use math. We don't think in terms of math. I've never optimized over anything by drawing out lines like Heaton was just describing. And then it kind of sunk into my brain long enough that I was like, I don't know how anyone makes sense of the world without this. And I cannot see the world any other way. And now I want to know if I've just been brainwashed or if anyone else thinks there's something to this.
1: Uh, I think there is something to that. So, like uh, Andrea, to to do a little bit of promo for my show, and actually, you were part of it this week because we did a uh, a bonus episode with you and Charlie. Yes. Um, I wanted to do an episode on gun control. Um, I will I will preface like I am probably center left on gun control. I do not consider myself an ideologue either way on this particular issue. I'm not really fired up on this particular issue compared to my super gun control or super Second Amendment friends. Uh, but I, I, did want to do an episode on gun control because it seemed very relevant in, in wake of the, uh, the recent mass shootings. And I, I approached it from a numbers first perspective. And it was really interesting for me to do that because I found again and again, that there were a lot of, uh, a lot of measures that I am fine with. I would vote for it, They don't bother me. But when I actually looked into them, I'm like, oh, they wouldn't do anything or they would mm. do something very marginal. And, and so for me trying to put a, a program together of. How do I reduce the the largest amount of gun deaths in the country? What would be the most efficacious Mm -hmm. things rather than marginal Mm -hmm. things, but the most efficacious things? I came up with very different things than I would have done if I had just used inductive or uh, deductive reasoning with Mm. this sounds like a common sense plan, as opposed to just looking at the numbers.
2: Well, all right. No, it's great to have real numbers, though, because I I live my life when I'm thinking about like how something's going to work out or a decision like you just mentioned. And in my head, I would I would always be like, well, there's probably a twenty percent chance that happens, twenty six percent chance. But I'm just making up my I, my numbers are based on feeling. Like yeah. it feels like a ten percent chance that could this could work or this. So it would would be a great feature if you had like a, a I don't know easy access to like someone who could really, real do real math for you. So yeah. Well, Cap, that's <laughs> what I
4: was thinking about too. Is that when I try when I quit my job at NYU the first time, uh, I literally was like, I can map this out and I can solve this. And I just didn't know, I was like, what's the probability that I get a different job if I leave NYU? What's the right. probability I would have gotten and you more give money yourself a I number. Yeah. I
3: stayed?
4: Yeah, but I was making them up. Yeah. And, and by the end, I was just like, question mark, question mark, question mark. So it sort of fell apart uh, unless you're hyper specific. Whereas I think Heaton, your example of guns is 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 concrete enough and there's evidence of at least, you know, we could put, compare to It's at least e-
1: evidence-based. I have to say the, right. the, the numbers are stupid complex. And then there's yeah. also a lot of things that, uh, are really difficult to ascertain. Like it was, but but yes, there, there's at least your there's some some rational basis in, in metrics that you're able to look at.
4: Right. Well, and in the case of this, it would be like the 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 reason that I like the exit voice and loyalty model that I've been describing is it's an example of a strategic game, which is there's no one best move. It's the case where my best move as an individual depends on what I think my opponent, in this case, the government is going to do and so you could imagine you're you know one of the enlightening things for me heaton in our conversation with charlie is i had no idea that the second amendment people were so concerned that they needed to protect us against the government that never crossed my mind even though i guess once i read the second amendment i was like oh i guess that makes that is what
1: oh yes they're they're very much like they're like literally i went on a date last week Uh and the uh I know. No, the he, well. he he hired some
2: mathematicians um, to run yeah. the numbers. Yeah, yeah. chances yeah, yeah. of yeah. first
1: base. No, chance. but like, like the um the, the young lady who is in favor of gun control. Her her father who lives in Texas. Her her father who lives in Texas has buried guns in the backyard in case the government comes looking for them. Like he literally yeah. has. Trumps yeah. that he's buried in his yard for when the government comes to seize his weapons, you know, come the yeah. tyranny and all that. It's yeah. very much an ever-present feature of Second Amendment. Uh, so that's,
4: that's a good example. You could like map that out. You could say, I am a person living in Texas and I have guns. What am I going to do with my guns? Am I going to store them on the wall? Am I going to bury them or am I going to burn them? right? Different things would have to be, well, I'm going to say, what do I think the government's going to do? Well, Biden's in power. It's these woke lefts. They're going to come for my guns. So I'm going to bury them in the backyard. So my best move is to bury them because of what I think this other person is doing. And then Biden's going to say, no, 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 I'm not going to come for your guns because they know that they're just going to bury them. And so the way the laws would even work would depend on whether you're likely to face someone who's a second amendment person or not. And I just feel like Mm. it's like soothing to be able to map that out differently instead of just argue.
2: One, yeah. I have one question I just thought of with, yeah. with all this is that does your way, how do you account for the unknown? Like you're, we're mm. talking about governments and rational governments. And obviously Biden's very predictable, but like, like an extreme example is if you were like a Jew in 1930, yeah. Germany and Hitler's in power and he's terrible. But you, if you were running numbers, you still wouldn't know. You can't even, there's no way to imagine what was going to happen. Like that wouldn't right. have been even, yeah. so there's right. a the bit of a hole in the math or no, am I? Am no,
4: asking? it's a great example. And that's one of, that's a big limitation is that you're like, well, you know, in, in the, the case of Hitler, it's like exit voice or loyalty. Well, what's the cost of staying? Well, if you right. don't have any idea of how horrible things are about to get, your math is going to be completely fraud, wrong, right? Yeah. And so I think a yeah. game theorist, a uh, person who would do this sort of analysis would say, well, you add probabilities. So the probability that this is really horrible is 0.8 or something like that, or, or 0.8 times minus infinity, because that's how bad it would be or something. But I think you're absolutely right that we just didn't know or everyone would have done everything they could have. To right, there's so many
2: examples right? where people yeah. just don't know. Like, I mean, COVID obviously, like things happen Yeah. We
4: yeah. Just have no well, That's
2: That's
1: the thing yes. with a lot of this stuff. Like there's an attempt to try to, understand uh world problems as something cyclical or predictable and unfortunately they're not it's not like uh mm-hmm. like you know you know with the business cycle that there's going to be there's going to be a, a recession and then there'll be a recovery and it's going it, to we don't know how often it's going to happen but there are going to be these peaks and troughs, right and yeah. it's going to be generally inclined um, but then there's going to be just random events that we they're, they're black swan events we don't know about and part of what you have to do is sort of apply bayesian reasoning to um to the policies you're putting in place either Mm. individually or at a government level so like to put it in another uh climate change uh going on part of the the rationale that i'm seeing is the really bad stuff is low probability but very high impact of uh you know like we're like you know low probability that suddenly the that um Ah, uh, because the temperature raises high enough that the tectonic plates themselves shift, and that mm-hmm. causes massive earthquakes. It's low probability that that's going to happen, but man, if it happens, mm-hmm. we're looking at a billion dead, right? So you kind of have to go, okay. To what extent are we willing to um, to to buy an insurance policy for these things? Because a lot of the time, a lot of the time in other situations, you'd go, you know, it, that's such a low chance of happening that it wouldn't be worth putting uh, resources into, or or they would be better put elsewhere.
4: Right. Well, and that's something that both of you are bringing up a concept that's one of my favorites, which is bounded rationality, which is like we all think that we're rational and we're all trying to be rational and calculate these things. But humans are famously bad at it. And we tend to, in particular, overestimate low probability events and underestimate high probability or the other way around. Right. Like if something is a 99 percent chance of happening, we're like, it's definitely going to happen. If it's a one percent chance of happening, we're like, it's never going to happen. And that one percent stuff, whether it's covid or climate change or getting shot up at your school or whatever is something that's very, very difficult for us to get our heads around. And I imagine in the Holocaust, the exact same thing, right? We saw that with the Trump election, right? I mean, apart from the New York Times and the other people who were ridiculous and said 100% chance of Clinton winning, a lot of people said 99. And we took that to mean 100 and it wasn't, right? And so low probability, that's why Nassim Taleb's book about the black swan is like, it was. you, you say now, Heaton, that it's like, oh, of course there are big black swan events. At the time of the recession, we forgot that and he right. wrote this book that reminded us that that existed or i'm not even sure if we he was like i think it came out even before the recession because we're just not capable of thinking of these like really yeah. low probability really massive events very I,
1: like I, I can find in my own my own analysis of things i have really strong what would you call it like normalcy bias or mm-hmm. uh, cont- yeah. continuation bias Where Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, maybe stuff will change like 5% per year in that category you're describing. So like, my my guess is, and this is a really, really big if, but in a situation like you're describing, Cap, where there's going to be a shift in Germany from uh, the most civilized, sophisticated, well-educated country on the planet to uh, genocidal maniacs Mm -hmm. in the span of two years... I'd be like, no. Yeah, I, mean, I think like, I would you know, do the same. I'm yeah. the same be like, way because you know, I'm always maybe, like, maybe it's maybe not going to be that bad. People, yeah. you know, but you know, but and then yeah, then those sea changes happen. You're like, oh shit, no, things do turn on a dime occasionally. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. yeah, there's um when when the pandemic was first like, and it was out, it was happening in China, you know, January, February, and there's murmurs of it. My Uh, A few people that I was talking to who were kind of more in the public health space were like, our lives are really going to change. And I just thought you're being so extreme. These these doomsday preppers, you know, it's going to be mildly worse is how I thought of it. Right. And that's one of the reasons for the big lockdown is once we saw things turn, we said, oh, Christ. And then we had to really, really overcompensate because we're afraid of those big long tail events.
2: And uh, frankly, there's plenty of examples of you, of it better, like being correct. You know, like nine out of 10 times, you're right to be like, let's not panic. This won't be as bad as you think. But you're right. That one time. So I, yeah, that was, I,
1: I, I had an episode early on with, 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 I mean, like literally the week that COVID became a thing, I was like, this is going to be nothing. And I was doing media analysis of look i've worked in media there's always everybody really wrong about that and a lot of the time too what we're predicting is not something that we're thinking about so uh there's a lady i forget her name but she does
4: uh heaton's powering down
1: does simulation uh like really heavy simulation theory uh or not theory um uh, like like test runs.
4: Yep. Uh-oh. Uh oh.
1: <laughs> uh are you getting what
4: stabbed? What's happening? <laughs> <Where> were, <laughs> so like um she, pr-
1: prior to the pandemic, she did a pandemic run with multiple, multiple
2: people over. Oh no. Oh boy. Ian are you there
1: where, where they would bring him in every yep. week and go oh world pipelines have shut down how are you going to react and it is the uh is is the audio... oh no it's cutting in and out is no All we right.
4: have no idea what
1: you're talking uh, about you know what i'm just gonna i'm just gonna <laughs> yep uh, sorry oh there you go sorry gang uh, if it went
2: that well oh and he's on mute we never got Heaton's take on the uh on, on the uh, my story, I believe. Yeah,
4: sorry, i realized that we, we totally invaded. Oh god, he's No that
2: was a good conversation. I was hoping to get Heaton to uh, wrap him back around, but we've seen Yeah, Heaton, lost let's... oh he
1: it's 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 it is, it, is it, am I at all audible or is yes. it completely out? Now you're back. You can hear me? Okay. Um maybe that cell phone booster does work. Um yeah, an answer to your question, Cap. Uh, I kind of had to deal with this myself at one point. Oh, you can't hear me anymore. No, we hear you. We hear you. Okay. Okay. So I was, I was up for a journalism fellowship that was funded by the Charles Koch Institute.
3: Mm. And I was
1: very wary of taking that. Um, I wasn't worried about like, uh, you know, subverting my own ethics in order to get the money or anything like that. That was not of concern to me, but I was worried that it might be radioactive because the word Koch brothers is in it. And I decided to take that money because that exact same week, um, there was a story about Hillary Clinton taking a ton of money from the Saudis. And I was like, well, Definitely. if Hillary Clinton is going to take money from the Saudis, I think I can take money from the Koch brothers. Um, and as per usual one of those things, my main thing is just universally apply whatever you're talking about. Mm. If, if, if you're going to say like the Koch brothers are fundamentally evil and no organization should ever take their money, OK, definitely don't take any money from Saudi Arabia or China, then, because right. I think they're they're demonstrably worse. Um, I, I am inclined to say that, um, that that if if you think that the the thing that you're using the money is going to be better used than whatever else they might spend it on, then you should go ahead and take it. But just make sure that you are not going to um, change your opinion or change how you would be interacting with them on it and, and retain your own integrity and position.
2: Yeah. And that's, a, that's exactly it. It's one thing if you honor that, I mean, but I've been in a lot of hospitals. I've had a heart attack. I've had a lot of procedures and I've had children too. So you're in the hospital a lot. And every time you look at the wing, it's named after somebody Koch mm. brother. It, it, and it, a lot of these people may be, I haven't Googled them all, but a lot of them, as Turner said before he left this, like he raised a good point. A lot of them probably feel guilty about something. They have some money, Right. a great way to feel better is to build a wing in a children's hospital, you know, Right.
4: Or, <laughs> <it's> like, <laughs> I want cap. If you're ever the next time you're in a hospital, which I hope so, is not, uh, anytime really, but if you are, are, and they're wheeling you down some wing, I want you Googling the name of the wing and be like, back me out of this one, man. This is,
2: uh, and I mean, I won't even name the name, but I there was literally an article in the New York times this week about a very prominent doctor who, Mm. um, has been accused of like sexual abuse and all this stuff. And he's someone I know through my old job and has been honored. I've been to events where this guy's been honored. My point is he's an old man now you could Google this and figure out who I'm talking about. But right. he, uh, he, people can go, you don't know who these people, you never know how right. bad people are. In other words, right. they're giving you money. I think as long as it's not taking money from like an actual, you know, Hitler or some at the moment or, right. or Putin, Robert Abramovich now. But like, if you took money from him in the past, right, it's for a good, co- it's for a Keep non-political, yeah. especially if it's hey, a non-political thing Catholic, like a hospital. Can I give you a great oh, yeah.
1: example of Hitler funding a charity?
2: Yes. I'm not <laughs> saying it was good. I just, this is such an interesting historical
1: quirk um when uh when when nazis were taken as pow's to the united states uh there they were um kind of distributed through middle america and initially what tended to happen was they would be paraded into town and the townspeople are all coming out to you know pelt them with tomatoes and like shout yay we beat you and then they'd walk down the street and they were like 17 year old kids because this is towards the end of the war and like of course they should have been conscientious objectors all these i'm not i'm not trying to defend them but they kind of like after a while we're like well like i mean we don't want to like torture them and shit so uh we'll let them form a band so they would let like these nazi pow's form bands and things and then the town would come out and listen to them play because it's everybody's bored right so at one point this one pow camp the nazis went we would really like to do an art show And the the town went, we're not going to, like, you can do an art show, but we're not going to give you supplies because we're in the middle of a war. Like, you can't, we're not going to divert resources to you. And they were like, well, if we could get Hitler to pay for it, can we do an art show then? And they were like, yeah. (laughs) And so they literally like wrote a letter to the Fuhrer who like took money out of the Nazi art fund or something and sent it to this POW camp in America. And they had an art show. And I was like, that's the weirdest fucking thing in American history.
2: He's an artist at to this core, he always yes. was a tortured <laughs> artist. That's right. that's right. artist. That was his weak artist. spot. You know, we should have uh, to assassinate him earlier. We should have sent in said like, you want, we weren't, we are going to honor your art. You know, we're going to have a whole thing, a whole night. Yeah. Like you just, and then, you know, when he gets to the, when he starts giving his thank you note, his thank you speech. yeah for that donation we just
4: like rather than invade you know a whole bunch of countries why don't you just uh come to this exhibit with your watercolors
2: come to your exhibit yes (laughs) to (laughs) support. that's an amazing blowhard story heat i'm gonna steal that one i I don't know where you learned it go for it is (laughs) is
4: putin into the arts are we missing a huge opportunity here
2: i think he's very much a
1: martial arts guy well there we go we might be able to get him like if we're like Hey, we'll like uh, Joe Rogan and Jackie Chan will yeah. like like celebrate your birthday with you if you get the fuck out of
2: Ukraine. Yeah, yeah. No, if Hitler wasn't instead of killing Hitler's baby, if you have a time machine, just go back and make him a successful artist and he mm-hmm. would have his whole life was different.
4: And this is really people. a lesser part of the tragedy, but imagine the great art we might have, you know. Exactly. I feel like he his was, skills would have improved. Yeah, he would have gotten he, got he was just too divided, he couldn't focus. <laughs>
2: You know. So anyway, well, should we end on that note. Yeah, Hitler's I think we are- better
4: end on that note. Hitler needs to pick a lane. Is is well a different lane? Yeah. Is is the note? Heaton, are you going to survive? Do we need to send a <laughs> helicopter? What's going on?
1: <laughs> he- to you just so it. you understand really how remote i am i i do apologize people listening can't tell uh, how how long we delayed this because of me but we delayed it by about half an hour and i was real pissy uh because the technology wasn't working as i thought it was so thank you for your patience and i'll text uh i'll, I'll text uh turner as well uh but no i i think i'll be fine i've got a dog and a machete uh, <laughs> yeah, that should be I, that should be enough right like i feel like i am uh la- last night actually um, I, um, went I, some, some, uh, like I say kids, some like 20 somethings were, were putting a, 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 tent up in front of the ramp where I was going to leave today. So I went over to go talk to them and just be like, Hey, like tomorrow, you're going to need to move, move this tent. One of them recognized me and I ended up having dinner with them. And then, yeah, I know it was real flattering because usually it's once a year at home Depot. That's usually <laughs> where I get recognized. And, uh, and then they were going to bring somebody else out. And I was like, oh, I am now the old bearded guy with a machete that scares campers. That is nice. my role. I have nice.
2: become that man. So I'm fine. You don't need to worry about that.
4: Congratulations. You're I mean, you're running you. the wilderness out that there. Is,
2: that's a mark of a true celebrity when you're in yeah. the woods and you can yeah. in Colorado. But that, look, the way the stock market's going, we're all going to be living in the woods with our eating our peas and Alfredo sauce soon enough. Right. The whole economy's about to collapse, I think, is what they're telling us. So
4: why do you think I'm hoarding all these knives? <laughs> exactly. You're ready. <laughs>
2: Machetes and peas and Alfredo sauce. Yeah,
4: yeah. <laughs> All right, well st- stay alive. Uh YouTube Cap. It's wild and uh in yeah, how do we York end well, this? So. Do we have
2: a tagline? I forget. What we uh, these shows? We just say stay goodbye. smart. Stay,
4: stay smart. Yeah.
2: yeah. Stay worldly.
4: You're welcome yeah. for uh regaling you with all our brilliance. That's our tagline. Get blowed hardy. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Bye everyone.